Hi, I'm Natalie Nowak, and you're listening to On My Way to a BFA on Broadway Radio. This podcast chronicles my experiences as I go through the process of getting my BFA in musical theater at the Hart School. I'm back after a mini hiatus. School has been crazy busy these past few months, but today's a snow day, so I'm taking this opportunity to sit down and really work on recording this intro. Uh, But I think that this episode is well worth the wait because I had the opportunity to interview Desi Oakley, who is currently starring as Jenna in the national tour of Waitress. Desi has also been in the Broadway productions of Wicked, Annie, and Les Mis, as well as the 2013 national tour of Evita as the Ava Perone alternate. In this conversation, we talked about her college years at the University of Michigan, finding balance in everyday life, why saying I don't know is one of the wisest things you can do, vocal health, and more. I hope you enjoy the episode, and without further ado, here is my conversation with Desi Oakley. Just a little disclaimer, Desi and I were not in the same room when we recorded this, so the audio is a little wonky sometimes. Just ignore it, you know, technology these days. What are you gonna do? I was at home in Chicago for my winter break this year, and my dad and I drove to Milwaukee to see you in Waitress, and I thought it was amazing, and you were so good, and I was moved to tears. But before we get into Waitress, let's talk a little bit about your college years. Okay. So you went to the University of Michigan, and I'm wondering, when when did you know that you wanted to go to school for musical theater? Great question. Um, I grew up in Wichita, Kansas, so I was, I don't know if you have heard of it, but a lot of people have music theater of Wichita is like an amazing regional theater in Wichita. And I didn't even realize as like a child, you know, we all did it as an extracurricular activity in the summer and no one really even knew that like, oh, I was working with Kelly O'Hara. Like we didn't realize, like we didn't know, um, you know, and like we look back and it's so funny, like my cousins did it, my sister auditioned, you know, these people that wouldn't be caught dead, you know, on a stage (laughs) ever. And so it, it really has, that really was sort of the launch of my, of my career because even though I was so young, the producing director there, Wayne Bryan just saw something in me, even as a really small child. And so he sort of took me under his wing and he, he started, you know, casting me in larger roles. I was nine and I played Brigitte von Trapp and I, you know, worked with these Broadway performers at such a young age. And I just considered it to be a summer thing, but slowly you know, I started taking it a little bit more seriously. I was 14 years old and he said, you know, Desi, I think you should audition for the resident company alongside these college kids. And I said, Wayne, I'm 14 years old. And he said, you know, he said, just try it. And, uh, you know, and he's the Mm -hmm. one that casts, he's the one that casts us, you know, it's it's so funny. And he said, here is how you audition. Here is a book. Here is the music. Here's how you cut the music. Here's how you talk to an accompanist. Here is what you're going to do. And he showed me the way. And I will never forget, I walked in the room to audition and it was just him behind the table. And he said, hi, Miss Oakley, what will you be singing today? And I am 14 (laughs) years old. And I thought to myself, Wayne, you know what I'm singing. But he gave me the opportunity to choose professionalism right then and there. So I said to him, just like a director, I said, I'm going to be singing this as though he had no idea. And that was sort of the way that he started to kind of shape my career. And I fell in love with it. So I really started taking this really seriously when I was about 14. And 
I was cast, you know, as Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz at 16, and I'm leading this gigantic production at this young age. And I'll never forget, he said, Desi, if you want to really do this, you can you can major in this. Now, talking to this Kansas girl, I'm like, what? You can get a ma- <laughs> you can you can get a degree in 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 all the stuff we're doing during the summer. Yeah. You know, and and he said, yes, you can. And and I'm going to recommend the top program, what I think is the top program in the in the United States. And and the reason why he, he has personal ties to it is a lot of the faculty at Michigan is on the creative team at Music Theater of Wichita. So I had already worked with three or four what would be what will have been my faculty members uh, wow. at Music Theater of Wichita. So so it, it just was so um in the cards for me, I guess, because I, I started working with them and developing these relationships with them. And of course I went and auditioned and was very, very hopeful that I would get in because there was definitely a chance I wouldn't, you know, you, mm-hmm. you just because you know, some of the faculty doesn't mean you, you know, have a chance of getting in. And, and of course you have to Michigan, you have to have a good grade point average and you have to have a good ACT score. And, you know, you have yeah. to be this, this, you know, you know, rock star, I guess, all the way around. So I was ecstatic when they when they wanted me to be to be a part of it. So that's kind of my journey. It's it really has a lot to do with that that incredible man who is still very much a part of my life, Wayne Bryan. Yeah, he sort of showed me that this was possible. That's so cool. And it's nice that you had that professionalism from such a young age, because I'm sure that it really helped shape you. And do you remember, did you audition for any other schools or was it kind of just like, let's just see if I get into Michigan and then if I do? We we did an early audition at Michigan to sort of see if we could get a, res- a, a result right away before we knew we were going to you know, hear a no. But I had, I also auditioned at OU, okay. um, University of Oklahoma, because we we did we did both of those as soon as we could. I think the first auditions possible so that we could you know, take the answers from that and then, and then go from there. Um, but those were the two auditions. Those were the only two auditions I did. I found out a week later after I auditioned at Michigan that they, that I was accepted. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. That's so cool. I mean, that seems like the dream. Like that's, that's awesome. Oh, the total, the total dream. Yeah. Freaking out. Oh yeah. Freaking out. Do you think that getting a BFA gives you an advantage in the real world? Because many paths lead to Broadway and, you know, there are people who didn't go to, college for theater at all and have successful careers. So do you feel that getting your BFA gave you an advantage in any way? I think that it's less about whether it gave me an advantage and it's more about what each individual, you know, path is, is how each individual path is going to be laid out. I feel like uh, a degree was important to me because of the fact that, well, no one in my family has any idea about musicals and about majoring in music and about, you know, everything was, my mother was a hairdresser. So going to hair school was, was a even, you know, probably a stretch for her. I mean, it was all about, you know, get, get an education. And that, while I had such a supportive family and my parents were like, absolutely major in whatever you want. I, I sort of, me as Desi wanted a degree. I yeah. want to be able to say, "Hey, I have a degree from a higher level of education," mm-hmm. and that's just my personal thing. And I, as far as like an advantage, I definitely think that the classes, the discipline, the you know, the college choice of 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 I could do anything I want. I'm I moved away from home before I moved to New York. I feel like especially I, I work and I teach a lot of aspiring actors and I coach a lot of um you know 
kids in, in, in middle school and high school that are anticipating this career. And yeah. I always tell them that for me, I benefited greatly from saying, okay, my suitcases are packed. I'm moving away from home, but I'm not going to New York or LA yet. I'm going away for this sort of trampoline springboard before I do that. And, and I learned so much. And it, the, you know, the human between 18 and 22 goes through so much change. That male is or true. Female, That's true. Male <laughs> female. I mean, the amount of change between 18 and 22 is just so great. And I believe those are fragile years. And so to be in kind of maybe, I would say a safety net of a university and or a conservatory or this, this, these grounds to play and to mess up and to you know, not be your best self, go through a quote, awkward phase, gain the freshman 10. I don't know the, you know, the 15, I don't know, just to do you be you and experience the ups and the downs that all of college brings and then go and then see where you're at. Now that's just my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. So, you know, some people are like, you know, engineering majors and they're, you know, in their 17th Broadway show. I'm like, you know, yeah. like you can't, you can't, everybody's path is different, but I say, you know, and then also too, and I'm not somebody who's ever like get a, get a backup plan. Yeah. You know, I'm, but at the end of the day, I have a college degree. So I, you know, can walk in someplace and say, Hey, can I teach? You know, I, I want to teach. I have a BFA, you know, I have you, um, you at least have that in your back pocket somewhere. I think it's, I think it's great if you can go to college, you know, do. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's how I feel about that. (laughs) I I agree. Yeah. And I think it's, it's great because it, it is a safe environment for that transition period. And you're right. A lot of change just for me being in it now, it's just crazy how I was so different last year than I am this year. And it's just going to continue. And you you know how that is. So absolutely. Yeah. So it's nice to like, to be in a safe environment, but also a competitive environment that really pushes you. And then sure. when you get out in the real world, you're like, okay, if I could do four years of that and, and handle that, I feel hopefully a little bit more ready to conquer what's ahead, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And you mentioned teaching a little bit. So I saw on your Instagram that you went back to the University of Michigan to teach a master class a yes, weeks I ago. Did. What was that like? That's so cool. Oh, that you got to go back. my gosh. Well, I cried like 16 times. I was it's so emotional. It was the first time I was back on campus since I graduated. Oh, my God. So I graduated in 2011. And I yeah haven't had time to go back. I I I can say so I'm just, you know, humbled by that fact that I've been working, you know, all this time and haven't had the opportunity to go back. Yeah. So um it was so incredible. I I Mark Madama, who's um on faculty there and who also was somebody who was directing me since I was nine years old, he directed that uh that very ever popular sound of music that I was mentioning when I played Brigitte. Yes. Um yes, of course. Uh you know, the 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 groundbreaking perform my performance was groundbreaking. Oh, yes. Um and <laughs> And he, of course, he, he's trying to set up a really nice thing at University of Michigan where people are coming back, where alum is coming back and or Skyping in or FaceTiming in and encouraging their current students and, and, and sort of giving them a glimpse of what their life is like. And, and I was playing East Lansing with Waitress, and which was only about an hour away. And we, we had it planned to, I came back, I did um, 
I actually had some of the seniors perform scenes and songs from Waitress, and I coached them. Oh my them. gosh! Wow, it was so cool and so awesome. And particularly because I'm super passionate about the story of Waitress, not only the story, but the kind of acting that we're doing on stage. The yeah, the, the, I, I really feel like it's revolutionary. It's like um, it's it's more like film acting on stage. It's I've never seen anything like it. Um, the way that Diane Paulus has directed us, it's 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 simply just sort of listening. Like you're there's you know yes you're emoting, but it's it's not at all showed. It's all internal is shown. It's in it's internal and and it's more like um, still and grounded mm-hmm. and very 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 real. Yeah, it's so, so real. I I wanted to just like sort of hit that over over the head um, and show them. You know, I would I I ran up and I would stop them and I said stop 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 stop. How would you say this to your best friend? Say it again. And you know, it was still mm-hmm. not. I said, no, 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 no. Say it again. It, it say say it how you would literally say it to anybody walking down the street right now. Yeah. You know? So so it was this really really cool opportunity to work with them and kind of show them what my journey has been with waitress, and it was it was so special, so special. That must have just been like a full circle moment, like being back there, but not as a student this time. I mean, oh man, that's, it was really cool. cool. Yeah. Oh man! And I sat right where they sat, and I, you know, watched these amazing, st- you know, Gavin Creel come back and talk about how his journey, and talk about you know all this stuff. I would listen to all the you know the alums when I was there, and just think to myself, "Gosh, is that going to be me? I have no idea." Yeah, yeah. No, that's really awesome. Do you? Yeah. So, looking back in your time in college, do you? Was there a specific class or professor, or just? Like when you look back, what are the highlights? The highlights were a lot of the hands-on classes. Mark Madama teaches the performance class. So does Linda Goodrich. And it's it's basically, I mean, truly it is hashtag how to audition. <laughs> and it is, and, and I don't mean like, you know, uh, it, it is the very detailed uh, this is how this is going to be. And, and, and I, I really actually feel like I was prepared for the mm-hmm. audition world. You know, things I weren't prepared for were the obvious, you know, actually going through a career in New York City, like an actual day of, you know, moving into my five floor walk up with my suitcases and, you know, getting lost on the subway, things I wasn't prepared for, but I feel like that's normal. I really feel like I was actually ready. Now, did this have a lot to do with my experience in a professional setting at Music Theater Wichita? Maybe, but I really feel like those audition classes, those performance classes, how to perform a song, you know, how to how to get out of your own way and play and have fun and explore and forget your nervous tics and find something else to focus on and recognize how, how the work can impact somebody listening. And I mean, just these really, really, you know, grounding aspects of musical theater. I mean, it was just this, the real stuff. And, and, and that's what I learned. And I, um, I also look back and I remember the, the, the productions. I mean, I feel mm-hmm. like our productions were like, I'm, I'm a little biased, but man, <laughs> they were amazing. Yeah. I, I mean, we did some really awesome shows. Like, yeah. So anyway, I feel like, I feel like um, when I look back, I see, and then, and of course, going back now and, and teaching, you know, this year, I'll never forget to, to sort of be reminded of all of that. It was, yeah, it was pivotal. 
Yeah. And you mentioned in that performance class, you learned how to kind of get out of your own head and really be in the scene. How do you, if you could give just a few words of wisdom to the listeners, because I feel like a lot of people oh. struggle with that. What oh, yeah. What's just a tidbit of advice that, or something that you might use now to like stay in the moment, forget that I'm here and I'm nervous and I'm performing. What do right. I do? So actually this changed and I have something to say that I am so excited to share, I've been learning with Jenna, is that I am not a robot and I am a human being. So I, just like the people in the audience, only just because I'm in the wig and the lights are on me, doesn't make me any different than those people that are watching me. I mean, we all have, you know, organs and we breathe the same way and we all bleed and we're the same we all have emotion and we're the same in this way. So, so when I'm on stage and when uh, the, the music starts or the curtain goes up, I'm allowed to continue to be human. I'm allowed to, to feel the way that I feel. I feel like as performers, we feel like we have to go into this other being mm -hmm. while we perform, like either a perfection or some kind of heightened, you know, um, extreme that is not, so suddenly you lose yourself. Well, okay, maybe the best actors lose themselves. They go straight into the character. But I have to tell you, you are, the voice lives inside of your neck. You're, it's a part yeah. of you. You know, you can't just put your violin in your case and, and put it away. You're, you're the instrument, right? So yeah. if you're the instrument, you're also the human. So I have been learning this incredible lesson that, you know, I will wake up and I have a show to do and I'm feeling a little tired. And the Desi, the, the Desi that's been trained and trained and trained and trained says, oh no, oh no, oh no, mm -hmm. I'm tired. I'm tired. Oh no. As opposed to, okay, Desi, Desi's tired. Be tired. Jenna is going to be a little more tired. Like that is okay. You know, you're lean into the way that you feel as a human, as opposed to trying to say, this can't exist. And what happens is a piece, there's a piece that comes over you that says, oh, wow, okay, I'm going to use this. I'm going to use the way that my body feels, the way that my mind feels, the way that my instrument feels, and I'm going to actually let that inform my performance. So then all of a sudden you're not trapped and or panicked with anxiety because you're not the way the character should be. Instead, you as a human are now possibly more relatable, possibly more tangible, possibly more uh, captivating because you have a humanistic quality about yourself that all you did was just accept. Wow. That's amazing. I have never heard it put that way. But I that... have been, it has been hit over my head with this role. Yeah. And it is just incredible. I, I It is freeing. It is so freeing because then, you know, I'm not, then, Truly, I'm out of my own way because then whatever way I'm in is is the way. Yeah, so and it's okay it's, to to be yes. exactly what you are. Yeah. Yes. And 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 even um, I might even say to go even more extreme. I I um I flubbed a line, and and so so this line I was saying was was wasn't the proper word. I sort of I guess paraphrased it, you know, mm -hmm. and 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 I was just. I, you know, that's never really happened to me again. You know, this training, this being polished, this, like, yeah. you know, this perfection, you know, that, that I've always attained to have part of me, the old me would have said, 
oh shoot, you know, I, I, I didn't say the right line. Like I, I, I didn't come out the proper way, but however it happened, it it kind of stuttered out of me. It kind of spewed out of me. And it was in a moment that really worked. And I got applause after, I mean, mean, it was like, and it was such a good lesson of like, well, that's the way Jenna needed to say it. It Yeah. Like it was just how it happened. And, and it will always work because it's art after all, we're not doing, we're not, we're lucky to be in a profession that isn't so black, white, right or wrong, Mm -hmm. you know, two plus two is four or, you know, this, you know, it's artistic. And so because it's artistic, I think we have a freedom to allow our, our human selves to, you know, to be a part of our characters. That is so true. And I love that. And I think, I think especially like you said, with the kind of former perfectionist tendencies, like Mm. just going through a BFA program can really bring that out of a lot of us, I feel like, because you're being graded on your art and you're doing this and you're like, sometimes it does kind of feel like, you know, I'm a robot, like going through my day with, you know, six classes and then rehearsals and it can get to be overwhelming. But absolutely, it can what you said can totally apply to that, too. And it's okay to be to feel how I'm feeling today. Maybe I'm feeling a little sick, but I don't have to freak out about it. I can just be like, this is how I am. And yes, put it into my scene work today. And and, you know, let's say there's there could be the argument of, well, well, if you're feeling tired, your character would never be tired. But listen, it's your but your character is a human right? Like yeah. playing a human being. Like, I mean, if you're playing, unless your, your character is like C-3PO or an actual robot, like I don't see why you can't be a human. And, and the other thing too is listen to like, here is the bottom line. The people watching you are humans. The people, mm-hmm. the people that you are impacting are humans. So at the end of the day, the more human you can be, the more I believe your performance will be successful. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell my classmates that because I think that that will, will help a lot of us. So thank you for that. Well, it um, is, it is something I'm, I'm learning every day. So yeah, it's, it's, it's been really cool. It's and man, freeing is, is it's just a freedom you live in and a peace yeah. and and a, and a, and then suddenly more joy and more, um, no anxiety, no fear. Uh, you know, and occasionally those come up, and you know we're traveling and there's lots to stress about. But you, but it, it really in the performance in the work you just. Yeah, the ability to be yourself. And gosh, we need more of that, you know? That's true. We do. Switching gears a little bit, I wanted to talk about a recent Instagram post of yours from when you hit 10,000 followers, because in the caption of your photo, you shared some things about yourself. And it was actually after reading that post that I was like, okay, I need to interview her. So... Oh, so sweet. So you said that finding balance in your everyday life is something that you're working on. And I think that a lot of people are working on. So what do you do to maintain a balance in your everyday life? Yes. Uh, Yeah, I'm I'm sort of hardwired in extremes. I tend to sort of say, you know, it's zero or 10. And it's all or nothing Mm -hmm. It's black or white and so much of life. And I believe the richness of life is not lived in those, um, you know, in those extremes. So yeah, I, I constantly fight fight balance by um, meditation and yoga and um, mostly connecting my body and my mind. So, so you know, the mind and the body are so connected and we often um, don't remember that or consider that. I mean, if you, if you look at all scientific studies and or like just think to yourself uh, – 
sleepiness causes hunger or stress causes gray hairs. I mean, yeah. our, 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 everything is sort of connected. People will say, you know, you, you're having a, um, some sort of a physical condition and a lot of doctors will say, is there stress in your life? You know, yeah. you know? and, and it's so connected. And so simply by, um, acknowledging the connection between the body and the mind can really actually, I feel, um, it can inform the way you, you live, uh, and, and it really can promote balance. So as simple as, you know, lying down and just observing the breath mm-hmm. and just, you know, it isn't necessarily just about relaxing the body and going to the spa. It's more about, um, you know, observing the body and not necessarily labeling it. That's, that's the one thing I believe with balance. Cause we, um, as someone who's extreme, so let's say uh, I say black or white, or I say zero or 10, you know, if I'm lying down and I'm, and I'm breathing and I observe the breath, I immediately will say something like, Oh, my breath is shallow. Yeah. Or, or, oh, my breath is deep or, oh, my breath. Well, that's that right there is an extreme. It's either a, it's a judgment immediately and it's a zero or a 10 or a, as opposed to not trying not to label it and just observing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and this can kind of go into what I was talking about earlier with, with accepting where you are in your character is just don't, don't try to label things so extremely. Like, why do I have to say it's shallow? It's shallow according to whom? And am I still breathing? Yes. So isn't shallow okay? So it, it doesn't, you know, it, mm-hmm. why, why put a judgment on it? And so th- that's sort of the, the um, meditation that I try to, uh, to do is to sort of connect the body and the mind without putting harsh labels on it because so much of our you know our mental anxiety comes from these these labels and these expectations we put on ourselves and or are being you know put on by other people so i think that kind of is a really simple idea to then you know let it manifest in in, in greater ways yeah i love that and i think it's nice to a, a reminder just to like it's okay yeah. to be as you are Also in that post, you shared something that your dad taught you about saying the words, I don't know. And this really resonated with me because my dad tells me the exact same thing. And so I just, can you tell me in your opinion, why the smartest people can always say, I don't know? Yes, because I believe in humility and I believe that the most that the that the honest way is the right way and the wisest human can say i don't know because it's the truth yeah and 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 um i really believe in in honesty and in 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 truth and in um in in being confident in that and so so uh in in almost like a a humble way. If I don't know something, I, I would like to say that I can be confident in saying, I don't know. And, and instead of, instead of saying, Oh, I need to know because I'm expected to know. And so let me try to know. I, I, I believe that the, the wisest people can sort of say, Hey, I, I don't know. Uh, teach me let me know, um, uh, or let's find out, or let's explore this and confidently say, I, I don't know this. And I remember, I'll, I'll never forget it was, I was in, um, 
I was in college and I was, I was, you know, at the university of Michigan getting a BFA. And as, as I was kind of explaining to you, I did not grow up listening to Phantom of the Opera in the back of the car. Listen, I, I, my family, we were not a musical theater family. I did not know that this was going to be my path. I, I was not what you would consider a musical theater nerd. It was just not my path. And so people would say to me, you don't know Sweeney Todd. And I would say, uh, no, I don't. No, I don't. And, and they would say, what do you mean you don't you don't know Sunday in the Park with George? Like, yeah, what? like you've never heard of this. And I'm like, no, of course. I, I, I mean, I've definitely heard of it. But I, I'm I don't know because I, I couldn't have known until now. And, and I and that doesn't make me, you know, better or worse. Or so when anybody says this, all I remember, I, I remember I would make it so clear to everybody. And I would say, listen, I'm going to be, I'm going to be singing this song from Wicked and it's okay if you've never heard of it. And and I would say like, I would say, and it's totally okay if you don't know, um, hello Dolly, but I'm going to be doing a piece from that. And if you've never heard of it, then that's totally okay. Like I would always Oh my gosh. I love that. Oh, it's so funny because listen, I mean, listen, if something has not crossed your path, how could you know it? Exactly. And why, and why would you be expected to know it? And this goes with musical theater and this goes with anything else in the world. If something, if you have not experienced something, how can you be expected to know it? And so be a person that says, I don't know it, but be a person that says, I want to know it. So teach me, I'm open and I'm ready. And I'm, I, you know, I won't judge you if you don't judge me. So let's figure it out together. Um, and so, so yeah, I, I'll never forget that in school, you know, they were, <laughs> people always, oh yeah, everyone would just laugh so much. And I mean, still to this day, I, um, I was talking with one of my stage managers, it was like yesterday or something. And I was giving an example of Wicked and I was explaining to her, I said, there's a scene in Wicked where, you know, X, Y, and Z. And she, her, her face was just appalled. She said, Desi, I know Wicked. I said, well, I don't know if you know Wicked or not. There's, if you're, it's perfectly okay if you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and especially how would you know if there was a specific scene? Like, you know, it's just, you can't assume anything. And, and you know, you think that you're in this world of, of, oh, the BFA and you have to know everything and you should be in the library and you should study everything. And yes, absolutely. Studying all sorts of different types of shows, whether it's crossed your path or not, is important. And that's why I believe you know, those people in a BFA that are studying it will want to know. It's not like I, it's not like you're not, that you're not trying to know. Yeah. But if you don't, that's okay. And yeah. you will. Yeah. It's yeah. totally okay to just learn because I feel like, I feel like opening yourself up to learning is so much more valuable than trying to be like, well, okay, I might not know all the information, but I'm going to make some of it up just so I can seem like right. I know what I'm talking about. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And I remember too, you know, in class, it, even in these performance classes that I was telling you about, um, you know, Mark Madama, one of our professors, he might say something like, well, what's happening here in the show? And the panic, you know, maybe you didn't get to the script last night because yeah. it was so late. It was so late. But he's not going to fail you if you say, Actually, Mark, you know, I didn't, I didn't get to this, so I, I need some help. Can can anybody, does has anybody read this, or does does anybody know? Like, can anyone help inform this? You never know what good can come from honesty, because then maybe somebody in class might raise their hand and get a chance to share what they know, and maybe you built a camaraderie within your classmates. You, you know, you never know what good can come from being honest. 
Exactly. Or maybe someone else will be like, oh my gosh, I didn't, I didn't read it either, but I was too scared to and, say anything. Right. Thank I was goodness. Too to say, uh-huh. And it's yeah. okay. And, 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 you know, and okay, well, maybe you will. Okay. Worst case scenario, you're going to get some, repri- you'll get reprimanded by your professor. Okay. Well, learn, lesson learned. Moving forward, the only thing you can do is, is say, I, I understand and, and do better next time. The honesty is important. But listen, I have to tell you, in an audition room, I have been sent sides the day before and the entire creative team is there and it's a brand new show and they say, Desi, do you know what's going on here? And I say, actually, no, I would love your help. What's, what's, what is going on here? And the director gets out of his chair and is like, cool, thanks for asking. Here's what's going on in this scene. And I connected with the director that way because I was honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. You mentioned Wicked and I, I have to ask you about Wicked because anyone who has listened to this podcast or knows me knows that that is my number one favorite show and dream role is definitely Alphaba. So were you the, you were the understudy on Broadway? Is that correct? Yes, I was. Yes, I was. And how many times did you get to go on? I only went on twice because I was only the understudy for a few months. And I actually wasn't, I wasn't even sure I would go on because I was, I was the understudy before I left to go do another production. So I was only Yeah, I was only an understudy for I think it was maybe four or five months at that point. And you never know. I mean, you do the put in and you're expected to to, to learn and to know it. And funnily enough, so um, my best friend, Caroline Bowman, my best friend is Caroline Bowman. I was the maid of honor oh at her wedding. And she was the been... first alphabet that I saw on Broadway. Okay, so yeah. absolutely, like literally, we're sisters. We're the best friends that could have ever possibly ever been best friends on the history of the planet. So, <laughs> this human uh, and I have done three contracts together, um, including Wicked. And so, I actually we did Wicked together in the ensemble, and then we did Evita together, where we traveled the, the, the country as the alternate. I was her alternate, so we shared the role after already being best friends for two years. And then we did Wicked again, our third contract together. And I understudy. They 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 had me come back to do the, her her understudy, and believe it or not, the standby at the time was being. Uh, switched over so which means the standby from i believe the the second national was coming to be the standby on broadway but she had yet to have a put in um and legally speaking they really can't put on um an alphabet especially especially an alphabet without a put in and and that person is emily cook who i'm doing oh my gosh. with, who yeah. is in waitress so anyway we laugh about this all the time so um em hadn't had her put in and so the the stage manager calls me and says des um Hey, you're going to be green uh, this afternoon. And I oh said, my gosh. I do this. I was like, I said, Caroline texted me saying, Hey, babe, I don't think it's going to be M. She hasn't had her put in. I think it's going to be you. And I need the afternoon to rest. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. I oh my ran to the theater. Oh, yeah. And so I ended up doing both shows that, that day. What was that like when you went on? Oh, were you just gosh. like, were you scared? Well, no. I mean, the first the first time, especially as an understudy, I always tell understudies that the first time you go on, the cape waving in the wind behind you. And I don't mean that like alpha, but I mean that you're a superhero. Like the fact that you're going on is you're already saving the day. So sit back, you know, kind of relax. You're, you're a warm body in the costume and you're already winning kind of, a yeah. thing, you know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So the first show, you know, we got through because it was sort of like the first time and it was very, it was like, Oh wow, we're, I'm really thinking a lot and I'm really trying to make sure I have my numbers and my broom and my things and the book and make sure I get it all in the right place. And the second show was when I totally freaked out. 
because because I went out to sign autographs and was signing the line and came back in and the stage manager was there and she's hardly ever in, you know, down at the stage door. And she goes, Des, you're on for round two tonight. What do you need? And I said, oh my God. You know, I was the... I was the hero for a minute. Then I was like, okay, good. We're done. I was the hero. Now I actually have to, you know, do it again. So, so yeah, it was, it was a blast and, you know, just so much adrenaline. If I could do it again, I would probably just, you know, take a couple more deep breaths and be like, girl, you're, you're okay. Just, yeah. (laughs) Like, like every, everything's fine. But I, I tell you, as soon as you get to that damn levitator, that thing is that you're, when you're actually flying, I mean, that's going to be, that's the, the adrenaline's going to probably kick in whether you've done it a hundred times or not, you know? Oh, I bet. Yeah. So, so yeah, but, oh, it was a blast. I'm so glad I had that experience. I really, really am. It yeah, that's awesome. really cool. That's great. Now I want to talk a little bit about Waitress. Had you seen Waitress on Broadway before you auditioned for the tour? Yes, I did, but not like totally happenstance. My one of my girlfriends, Robin Mathella, she's done a couple Broadway shows. She was in Cats and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and she and I have been buddies since Evita. And she said, "She's I love her because she keeps me now talk about a musical theater nerd. She keeps me, um, she keeps me constantly kind of like, hey, there's cheap tickets for the matinee. Let's go see the show. Hey, let's go see the show. You know, get, let's get let's go see some theater. Let's you know, let's make sure we're you know staying up on seeing the shows and everything. And so she she always uh, invited me." She invited me to waitress. There was um, a, mat- uh, a matinee on a Wednesday with really reasonable tickets, and we just grabbed two and went to go see it. And and honestly, it was like I have to be honest; it wasn't really a glimmer in my eye. I mean, I thought to myself, you know, my two worlds combined, Sarah Bareilles and musicals. Yeah, maybe maybe it was the headspace I was in with other projects, or maybe it was just. But I was completely moved by the story. And that was it. I mean, that was it. I I didn't say to myself, Oh my gosh, one day I'll be in this show. Like, you know, I really didn't say that. I I, I was just, I let the show resonate with me as the story, not about, you know, my dream or anything. It It really didn't even, you know, it wasn't a glimmer in my eye really. So so yeah, I ended up I ended up seeing was the original cast, and it was um, a wicked colleague of mine, the understudy Stephanie Torrance, was on for Jenna. So I ended up seeing um, the understudy there, and I let the story just take yeah. me over. Wow, that's cool. And then, what was your audition like when you when you actually did audition? And then how how did that come about? Okay, so my agents call me now again. I have completely now I moved on other projects. I was in Final Callbacks for Come From Away. And, oh my gosh, cool. Uh, I I got a call saying, hey, you've got two auditions this week, the same the same uh, time as my Come From Away final. And they said it is for Escape to Margaritaville and for Wait- Jenna and Waitress. And I was like, wait, okay, hold on a second. Whoa, okay. All right, we got a lot going on here. Um, this is a crazy, we always say in the business when it rains, it pours. So uh, <laughs> we, got, we, got, we got lots of stuff happening here. So I needed to sort of prioritize. Turns out all three of them, all three finals ended up being on the same day, but bookmark that. Um, my original audition was uh, for Waitress, I guess the week before. And they said, hey, they need a Jenna for the tour. And I said, okay, I love it. And my agent said, I love this for you. And I said, I love this for me. And I said, this is really right. He said, I'll send over the material and, you know, your audition is, well, you know, on that whatever, you know, Thursday or something. Uh, or actually, it was on a Tuesday. And they sent it over. I kid you not, I uh, t- taught myself the songs. I, I, had, I don't listen to 
uh, cast recordings all that often. Yeah. And I hadn't heard any of, of the cast recordings for Waitress, like at all. So I just sat down and I just played through Sarah's music like I would any other song. Um, I studied classical piano for 14 years so I can accompany myself. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Uh, not, not brilliantly, but, you know, I can get the job done. So I sat down and I played Sarah's music. And first of all, I was like, I had a smile on my face immediately as I started to play, you know, either it was What Bacon Can Do or She Used to Be Mine or something. And I just started to play it and I just sat and I just, you know, jammed out in my bed, in my, in my studio apartment. I was like, this is the jam. I was like, (laughs) I was like, if this could be my dream, this is a dream, you know, and it sort of started to like hit me as I was sitting there just playing the music. And, um, you know, so I went in, I just spent, you know, one evening on the material and I just said, you know what, it's either going to be right or it's not. And I'm going to do my best. I went in there and I sang, uh, for most of the associates, uh, probably two or three of them. And I did half of one number and the music supervisor said, good. And I did the scene, one of the scenes a couple times and they said, we're, we're good. And I said, thank you. And, you know, I went out into the hallway and casting came out and said, have you seen, have you seen the show? And I said, I have, it's been a little while. Uh, but, but I have seen the show and they said, we want you to see Sarah. So we're going to, we're actually going to, we're going to, we're going to get you into the matinee tomorrow to see Sarah in the role. Cause Sarah was actually uh, doing her first shift at the diner, if you will, uh, that time. Yeah. So they walked me into the back of the theater. It was kind of, um, no one really knew about it. I didn't tell anybody about it and just kind of, I, I never really, this has never really happened to me before. And apparently my agent said, well, this is great. So just make sure your afternoon is clear. Obviously, I'm like, oh, of course, it cleared everything I had planned. And I went and I saw Sarah in the role. So they wanted they wanted to, me to see Sarah to really get the, um, you know, the heart of Jenna and, and Sarah's, particularly Sarah's um, Jenna. And, and so I did, I, I watched it, I bawled my eyes out, you know, I really connected. And, and that was, that was it. And, and, and uh, I, I went the following week to the, to the final callback. So I really only had one audition before the finals. And um, uh, I went into the final callback, and there were like 40 people in there. And oh my I, knew gosh. Sarah, I knew Sarah was in there. I knew like all the, you know, all the producers and all the people and the camera was set up and they had craft services. And, you know, I knew like, you know, I knew that this was a big deal. And in the hallway, I just, for some reason, it's, it just felt so right. It was, it's so strange. I, I have done other shows and I've gotten other jobs and none of them have ever felt like this. I didn't have to do anything. Like I, I didn't have to spend two hours warming up my voice. I wasn't nervous in the same way that I normally am for an audition or anxious in a, in in an excited way. I, I was just me. And I felt so calm in the hallway and I was I kind of said to myself hey self are you good like are <laughs> yeah. you, like like are you freaking out like what's wrong with you I mean Sarah Bareilles is in there and then I thought to myself this is so meant to be I, I had met Sarah a few other times prior to this and she didn't I didn't obviously make it a big deal I, I met her once through a mutual friend uh my first summer in the city and then she saw me perform my songs live uh a year prior to this final callback and she was there supporting one of her friends and I happened to also be on the list playing and she eventually remembered it once we started rehearsal she was like I saw you perform you know we, yeah. we made the we made the connection but 
it was like, you know, just go in there and do it. So I did. And, and that was it. So yeah, that was sort of like my, my journey with it. And, you know, I'll never forget in the room, even with the energies of the women and the, on the creative team and all women creative team, I'll never forget. I could actually like foresee working with them, which is yeah. weird. Like that doesn't happen. You know, that doesn't happen. You're yeah. normally just so like, you know, just, I want this. Can I get this? Or like, how did I sound on that note? Or like, you're yeah. just thinking about, you know, or whatever you're thinking about the things that are very, but you know, my mind's eye started to kind of be open to like working with these people. And I was like digging it. Wow. You know, my little heart completely did um, a, a, a back, a backflip when Sarah, you know, complimented my voice in the room and, and said, I sounded beautiful. And you know, you just, yeah, just, that's, that's amazing. You know, incredible, incredible, you know, feedback in the room and everything. Yeah. And I think it's so it's so apparent watching you on stage and you can tell that all of you is in that role, like just everything that you are, you're putting into her. And it's it's just it's just so palpable from the audience. It really is. Oh, thank you. Yeah, of course. So kind. A, A huge compliment. Thank you. Of course. I Now, I just have one more question. I wanted to ask you about vocal health because I'm super interested and I like to know about what yes. different people do. So what do you do to stay healthy on tour? And do you do anything different in terms of vocal health on tour than you would if you were just in a show in New York or in a sit down nice. company somewhere? Oh, I could talk about vocal health till the cows come home. So could I. (laughs) That's what they say in Kansas. Okay, so I totally, if I was not a musical theater performer, I would be a vocal pathologist. Um, So would I. Which is, oh, no. Oh my gosh. I have said this time and time again. I, oh my gosh. I mean, I'm talking, I want the lab coat and the baby grand in my office. Like it's both. Yeah. Okay. So. I had vocal surgery in college. They found a uh, a cyst on my vocal cords that prevented me from, I booked the Muni one summer. I booked four shows at the Muni and I was so ecstatic and, you know, woke up and like, I, I really couldn't phonate. I like couldn't talk. Yeah. And I wondered what was going on. It had been this weird thing. And I was a, I was just the spectacle at the at the ENT. They had like seven doctors gathered around my scope. Oh, gosh. Um, I had they found a cyst sort of at the back of my right cord. So so not on the cords where they rub mm-hmm. together, but almost more like sitting on top of it, preventing it from vibrating. And, you know, we worked with, I worked with, I flew to, flew to Nashville, worked with a pathologist and needed surgery, of course, called the Muni in tears. Just, you know, if only I could just pat my sweet little head and say, Desi, it's okay. But, you know, you think to yourself, your career's over. Um, Oh man. Oh, just the, the, the trauma, honestly. Oh my gosh. And, you know, we, I worked with a pathologist there at Vanderbilt in Nashville, like the best of the best. Yeah. And she wanted, before surgery, she wanted to make sure that this wasn't self-inflicted. She wanted to kind of make sure that it wasn't that I just didn't know how to operate my voice. And it turns out, based on her diagnosis, it was not self-inflicted. And then based on after surgery, she the, the surgeon believed that the material, she, she considered it to be ancient, meaning this cyst could have been there since I was born. Um, wow. Um, yeah, wacko, totally wacko. So since then, I have had, you know, uh, I would like to say pristine cords. So, you know, uh, so and of course, that pathologist was smart to make sure I was singing healthily and, and correctly, you know, that, you know, we're not just going to go in and operate on these, these cords that just, you know, need vocal rest or mm-hmm. something. Um, so anyway, all this to say, I love 
the vocal cords. I love how they work. I love learning my instrument and I love knowing every day kind of where we're at and, and, and what, you know, each day is different. And, and so, uh, absolutely. I warm up for this show the same kind of every day. I've come up with a really nice kind of 10 or 15 minute warm up that I do before Jenna. Jenna's my, uh, really like my pop voice. Um, she's really like the speaking voice and Jenna's singing voice are like, you know, kind of one, one in the same. I have a humidifier that I travel with me because the dryness in each city is remarkable. Oh gosh, I bet. In the winter with these cold cities, they crank up the heat in the hotel rooms and also the, you know, the apartments that we stay in. And so my humidifier, if I, if I don't have my humidifier the day before travel day, I will turn on that shower and I will get the entire place steamy. Uh, like all day long. And so because I really feel like the the more humid, you know, these cords, my cords flap so well in a hydrated environment. So, oh, yeah. And it makes a difference. I mean, really, I would say hydration is like the main thing. Uh, Resting the voice as much as possible, Um, you know, post show and choosing to have quiet activities. If you go out, you know, with the cast, just being mindful and getting extra good sleep and, you know, all of those really, really good things. But, but hydration is amazing. I have a, my pure mist that I keep at the theater. Ooh, those are the best. Those are so good. Yes. Yeah. I actually, I pop off the, um, the mask for the nose and I just allow the top of it to go right into my mouth. So literally breathing in the immediate steam. Yeah. Um, my good friend Ashley Park taught me that trick. Yeah. It's just sort of immediate steam to the cords. You feel it. And if you, if it's a little warm for you, uh, to put it on a lower setting, but, um, but yeah, that, that thing and my humidifier, we call it, you know, um, pyramist and humi. They're my little, they're my little besties. Um, they come with me everywhere. And, and yeah, that's, that's a, that's a big thing is, is, um, taking care of yourself, you know, checking in and, and, and also too, it's taken a lot of years, especially after having, um, vocal surgery of, you know, you wake up and maybe your voice is a little bit more tired, not freaking out. Don't like give yourself a second and realize and recognize that the human voice is in your face. It's yeah. not, it's not in, you know, a hard shelled guitar case that you just get to, you know, unzip. It's part of your body. And so, you know, don't, it doesn't mean your career is over. If you have some phlegm or if you, you know, if some, if there's a little bit more air in your sound, there's so many factors that can affect the voice, so many factors. And, and so just, you know, accepting it, taking good care of it, recognizing, you know, you're not a robot. There's no one is expecting you to be a robot. Like everyone knows you're a human. (laughs) Yeah. Your, your vocal folds are as big as your pinky nail, like calm down. Yeah. (laughs) Like they're so tiny and there's, there's so many things that can be affected. So just, you know, take good care, do your best and forget the rest. That's what my mother would say. That's perfect. I love it. I love it. Well, Desi, thank you so much for taking the time to do this today. I really enjoyed picking your brain on all these things, and I feel like it was a really great conversation, so I appreciate your time today. Well, thank you so much. It was wonderful to talk to you, and thank you for letting me ramble on and on about all of the, the things I'm passionate about.
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of On My Way to a BFA. Go ahead and follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Natalie underscore Nowak. Feel free to tweet me with any feedback or questions. And until my next episode, you can catch me every Monday on Broadway Radio's Today on Broadway, chatting with Matt and James and giving you the theatrical schedule for the week ahead.